0: You made it. Checked out of office to check into the sweet views of this place where the kids aren't asking for the Wi Fi.
1: Mom, can we go to the pool?
0: And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when? American Express. Don't live life without it.
1: Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switched to progressive could save big. But then what? Well, radio has been called theater of the mind, so let's tell a story with sound effects. <laughs> Wow, it's like I was in the story. Almost makes me forget this was supposed to be about saving big with Progressive. (laughs) Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates.
0: This episode is a particularly awesome episode because it's someone who works behind the scenes quite a bit to bring you guys some really amazing guests. I'm talking about my connection Deb Deb's an amazing person and the people she has relayed to me have just been wonderful and on several instances I've become friends with people that she's sent my way uh, for the show and I'm just so thankful for Deb and it's her time to get in the spotlight here and you're going to love our conversation it was really enjoyable and a lot of fun and uh, you're going to love the youthfulness of Deb she is amazing sure you check this out on YouTube as well as listen to it on all the places that you enjoy listening to podcasts. So check out the conversation I have with my good connection, Deb. So Deb, this has been a long time coming, I think, actually. It has you know, The world's uh,
1: been waiting for
0: it. It's been waiting for this like explosive connection between us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so for the listeners, uh, Deb and I have had an interesting history because she, is, she sends me a lot of guests. And uh, she's amazing, by the way, and completely amazing. Mm-hmm. And one of her guests ended up becoming one of my clients, uh, uh, Jan James. Her episode's amazing. And uh, Jan and I talk about Deb a lot. She doesn't know that.
1: <laughs> oh. oh see the bombshell already we're like two seconds into it
0: yeah yeah mm-hmm. and she's like Deb's gonna be on can i get on the zoom and like bomber or something i was like no no <laughs>
1: <laughs> although it is pretty it's something pretty special when jan and i get to go in. so
0: yeah that's amazing well mm-hmm. you seem to have this really big history with artists and working with people and public relations, the whole deal. How'd you get started in all this?
1: Um, I grew up in a suburb of Chicago that was two towns over from the uh, suburban capital of Vice. It was the town you would go to if you needed booze, drugs, women, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Anything went. And there was a uh, a music venue in that area um, that we would literally ride our bikes to when we were 14 and 15 years old and get in to watch bands. Um, And my family really raised me and my sister to love live performance and particular music. My dad um, was a Midwest, Midwest editor for um, billboard publications back in the day. So I always loved music, um, but I had no talent. Like I always thought, oh, well, you know, maybe I could be a guitar player or singer or anything. And I just like sucked at everything that I tried. So I found myself thinking about like, how can I support the people that I love that are in bands? So when I started going to this club, Uh, I was like, oh, well, maybe I can make flyers or, you know, whatever to help promote your shows. And I started doing that, not really knowing that there was a name for it, that it could turn into a career. And I did that all through high school. And then uh, I got into college and started a general communications major and um, found out that that's basically public relations. I mean, a part of public relations. And I was like, I've been doing that since I was 14. I got this. <laughs> um, so that's what I studied. And uh, that's basically what I've been doing ever since, you know? I mean, things have gone very technological, but to a certain extent, um, a lot of Instagram is basically like old school flyering, you know? So comes full circle.
0: Comes full circle. <laughs> What's been the uh, most challenging part of all of it?
1: Um, I, well, there's, I mean, there's two things that are kind of equal for me. Um, one is uh, just kind of keeping up with how quickly the, the job is changing and how we do the work is changing. And it has been relentless, uh, especially in the past five years with media consolidations and, you know, things really uh, turning to video, um, certainly news cycles with the pandemic and, you know, social changes. And so it's, it's a really, really time consuming, uh, a, 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 attention sucking kind of job. and. That, uh, that's become a lot more challenging now. Um, but equal to that is um, is, is kind of uh, acclimating and educating my clients so that they really understand what the job is and what the expectations are for the work. I think people hear the term public relations and they think they know what it is because they can put that word Together with someone who was on, you know, 60 Minutes or their local news, but they don't understand that there's a lot of steps in between. So um, expectation management is really important. And with my work, I work a lot with creatives, and they and they're a very particular, um, very beloved, but very particular kind of client because <laughs> they don't often care or, or, or have a genuine interest in the business of their work, which I get, but you kind of have to at least have a basic knowledge of what we're doing together. Um, and then also there's like the patience factor. You know, I hired you last week. Why am I not on TV? <laughs> well, okay. We can talk about that.
0: <laughs> Let's have a conversation about that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. I, you, you know, as you're saying now, smiling as I was like, cause you've sent me a lot of people and, uh, you know, the highlight is like Susan Rubin, right? Like she's,
1: <laughs> she's my highlight too.
0: She's like, I was like, oh, I'm in a whole different realm here with talking to this person. I was like, this is mm-hmm. a different human, <laughs> this is a different human. And I'm looking forward to speaking to her again. And I like people like that. I love that mm-hmm. kind of like, it's kind of strange, <laughs> a little bit kind of
1: They're- stream of
0: consciousness type of person, you know?
1: (laughs) Well, and also, you know, there's, there's two things about that. One is, you know, when you are really unencumbered to experience your own creativity, when you have the freedom to go where she goes, it can be strange for people because a lot of us don't feel that that free or connected to um, whatever you feel that thing is inside of you that is a muse or your motivation or whatever. There is, you know, the space between Susan's creativity and the next boundary to that is about this big, <laughs> you know? And it's it's magnificent. I mean, it's, it's inspirational to me and, you know, it's the same with almost everybody that I've sent you. Like they're really in their flow. Yes. And it's it's amazing to experience people who are like that. Um, the other thing with Susan is that, um, you know, not only is she in that flow, but um, she's really generous about it. And a lot of people either feel... Certainly uncomfortable talking to media. Um, unworthy. Sometimes they feel unworthy. You know, I made this thing, and I, I'm. I. It's great, but I don't feel like I can. Um, that I deserve the attention, or I can compete with other people. Um, it takes a lot of confidence to um, to get to that position with with your work. And, you know, she she is definitely someone who is confident about her work, but also really generous in wanting to um, share about it and engage people with it, you know? Um, and her work can be challenging for people, but that's what she wants. She wants to really, you know, kind of nudge nudge people with her ideas. Yeah,
0: I, I could see that, definitely. I mean, they're all like, really amazing people they're a lot of fun to talk to. And is there a level of um, like crisis management with all of this on some level to it?
1: Um, yeah, hope not. <laughs> I mean, like that's you know, the ultimate thing is to wake up in the morning uh, fr- from your alarm and not an emergency phone call from someone. Um, n- not really with the projects that I work on especially in the past you know 15 years or so um, you know it I guess where I mean it hasn't happened but I guess the only place I could think of where it might with the clients that I've had is if you know because they are um, they are they are stimulating and they are passionate people. So, you know, if one of them could say something in a less than elegant way, um, you know, that might tick off a certain section of the public. But I think um, the people that I work with are authentic and they're passionate, but they also kind of know the perils of um, speaking in public and doing social media. So they're a little more, uh, you know, deliberate with how they present themselves and their ideas. So fortunately I haven't had to deal with that lately.
0: Right. Right. Well, that's a good thing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, it is.
0: How has this work affected you personally throughout the years?
1: Wow. Um, I mean, I, I, the, the general answer to that. um,
0: You're thinking a lot right now.
1: (laughs) it, It just, it requires, you know, again, because I, you know, I, these are the skills and the best practices that I teach my clients for having interviews. I don't do interviews. Like that's not really my job. Um, occasionally and especially with you because i so deeply wanted to have the experience that my clients come back and tell me <laughs> they've had with you oh nice uh, but it's it's very very uncomfortable for me so i understand when my clients need media training how uncomfortable it might be for them to do this so if i'm going to practice what i preach and like be radically honest i will say that because most of my clients have been in creative fields and and I watch them produce year after year, these really, uh, you know, personal, intimate, um, exciting, uh, thought-provoking, well-researched pieces of art of one kind or another. Um, it, It has, it always inspires me to try to do something like that for myself. Like I said, I'm not in any way a musician, But I have what? I don't know, maybe eight or nine books and short stories that I've gotten between two and 50 pages in and I've never completed them. Um, So to a certain extent, um, it has both inspired and then also kind of on the other side of it stymied me because I see how much time and effort and dedication it takes. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I'm that person. I don't know. I don't know if I'm that person. And then the next week I'll be like, but I'm totally that person. My clients are doing it. Why can't (laughs) I? Um, The other thing is it has afforded me. Wow. It's afforded me opportunities to meet people both pre- technology when you could do stuff like this with anyone anywhere in the world um pre-technology but you know certainly post to meet like extraordinary people amazing people whether it's you know clients potential clients um record label heads uh media people investigative journalists um entrepreneurs in south africa Um, you know, just, um, you know, people who run museums in Nashville, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's really, um, it's been a real, uh, blessing to have that opportunity to go to places and meet people that I wouldn't, if my career path was anything different.
0: Oh, that's amazing. It's pretty cool And stuff. the vast I mean, majority
1: of them are pretty awesome. I mean,
0: well, I was going to ask that. That was my next thing. Well, kind of was like, you've met all these people, what's kind of the common denominator of all the humans you've met? Or differences or surprises. Um I th-
1: the common denominator again Fortunately, because of my career path, the common denominator has been the unwavering passion and desire to use whatever their art is to speak to um, you, you know universal themes and universal ideals in a way that can. Um, create connection somehow, whether it's connecting 60,000 people in an arena with your concert or connecting with one person who's reading your book on the beach. Um, every Everyone that I've worked with on the creative side, especially um, has that desire to feel, um, you know, that their life and their work uh, can touch someone else in a positive way. Um, And I think that's true even of like the business side people. That's that's usually, I mean, I've worked with some creepy artists before. Yeah. Uh, You know, my career started in the late 80s, early 90s, um, before we had any momentum on um, racist and misogynistic uh, campaigns against people who were, you know, generally terrible. Um, so there was a lot of that. Um, but even on the business side, you know, of course, this is a business. The people that I work with are in business. Um, There was still an ethic, again, at least with the people I worked with, uh, to try to get my clients' work to the broadest amount of people because their work was good and their work could be inspirational and connective. So I think even those people had the same desire from that aspect. And you know, if you make some bank, that's great too. Yeah, I mean, again, fortunately, a lot of my, most of my work has been in arts and entertainment and with entrepreneurs who are, you know, creating kind of help um, brighten and ease people's lives. So there's already a different kind of ethic that comes along with that.
0: And you're, you're in LA, are you in LA area? I am. What's that like with the whole... With PR, I mean, I've known a lot of people in PR, a ton, and you know, all over the country, but not really in LA. It seems like it's a a real hustle job, I would imagine, in that environment.
1: It's a hustle job anywhere. It, I mean, like you can Google top ten stressful jobs, and almost every year, publicist comes up on the list. Um, there's an interesting. You know, and, and like if you go back into the history of PR, there wasn't as distinct, there was never a real distinct line between publicist and manager or personal assistant or mess cleaner or whatever it is. Mess you know? cleaner,
0: Okay. Mess cleaner.
1: <laughs> um, so, so there, and, and nobody ever, I mean, you can try as best as you can to create those boundaries with your clients. But as an industry, we've not been successful in doing that. So my phone rings, depending on what I'm working on, four in the morning, five in the morning. You know, I, my, I might have an artist who you know, doesn't feel comfortable talking to their manager about something, but they'll feel t- you know, comfortable talking to me, but it's four in the morning. You know, um, so that that's true. That's true of the work, no matter where you're delivering it from. Um, LA is a little strange in that um, it's not technically considered like the PR capital of the world. That's definitely New York. Um, so we don't have like a physically connected community that I've ever been able to tap into. And I think that's just by virtue of LA being so spread out, but also that there's um, it's a very competitive town, you know. I mean, with everything, and I think people get real territorial and kind of defensive. And so, you know, if you like, my my very best friend, my beloved best friend in LA, is a publicist, and It almost blew my mind how deeply we were able to connect, even though we were both publicists, because we didn't have, you know, we don't have that competitive nature going. Um, And it gets pretty rough because it's really difficult to, um, you know, to maintain work and to get good quality clients that are with you for a long time and whatever. So that's been part of my experience um, in LA. But, you know, I mean, you can turn, I mean, any work that you have, if you're really like into it, is a hustle.
0: Yeah, no, I, I would imagine so. And you've been doing it for a long time. And I mean, I know you have very long-term clients, some people, how do you feel like you have achieved that? Because why I frame that is there's a lot of people who will listen to this show and other things and they're entrepreneurs or they're, they're looking for long-term stability with clients. How have you achieved that? And, and what are the things you think you've done for that?
1: um pr is one of the most unstable Hmm. business campaigns that you can do there's no guarantees there's no promises in fact there's quite a few broken promises um the the playing field is changing all the time um i think the reason i maintain the relationships the way i do is because um I, I'm, I I will just say that you know um, I can tell you what the playing field is like, and I can tell you that I'm going to do my level best for a client, um, but it doesn't it doesn't serve me um, it doesn't serve me to blow smoke up anybody's <laughs> butt. Yeah. Um, I am willing to a certain extent to to be that broader support person for people. You know, if you if my clients are struggling with a question about something completely unrelated to PR, um, you know, I, I will try to be there. I, I like to very much embed with my clients. Like I wanna get in there and really understand them and their work and their needs and their goals. Um, and I, I think that makes a difference because There's a lot of, um, especially if you go with a large agency, um, you know, you're paying five grand a month, 10 grand a month as a retainer. You're on a 12 month contract. Um, you're just going to get assigned a representative. You may not even, you know, meet a principal of the company. Um, that's not how it is when you hire somebody who works independently and, um, you know, has more control, like I have total control over my time. So I can, I can give you what I want to give you. I don't have to report to somebody on that.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense for that. I was thinking too, like you were around before, clearly before social media, like the pre-social media age, not like kind of around before. It's like I was around during that time too. And I remember when all this didn't exist. Do you... Have feeling one way or another, like what you liked more, how it was then or how it is now.
1: Um, This is something that I do talk about with uh, other publicists quite a bit. Um, Back in the day, uh, (laughs) we would um, we would go go to a copy shop and print a hundred copies of whatever was going to be in our press kits. Press release, biography, you know, discography if it's a musician or a band or whatever. Um, We would go to the photographer and get a hundred prints of the headshot or the band photo, you know, with the name on the bottom or whatever. Um, You know, if we had a CD or a cassette,
0: a cassette player. Everyone, okay? Nobody yeah. knows what that is, Deb.
1: <laughs> I mean, you're you're gonna have to Google it. There might be some archived <laughs> photos of cassettes out there somewhere. Um, so whatever you know, if the, if if it was a visual artist, maybe a repro of their work or whatever. And we would sit on the floor with folders that we bought at the office supply center, and we would stuff a hundred or five hundred of them. And then we would label actual envelopes. And then we would drag all that to a post office and mail it out. And that's how you did press relations back then. And the press had nowhere to go if they wanted to talk to your client except to you. They couldn't Google a manager. They couldn't like find the artist's phone number somewhere. Um, they had to come to me. So I had complete control over my work then. One shot, like it was just a direct line from them to me. Um, you know, also back then there were fewer outlets, you know, there was no digital. So you were just talking print, you know, magazines, vi- very vibrant then. Uh, multiple daily newspapers in any market. Um, the alt-weeklies that have regretfully, you know, all but disappeared in this country. Um, And you had radio and TV and that was, you know, that was it. Um, So it was really easy to manage that. And there wasn't as much turnover in any of those places. So if you made a connection somewhere, you were likely to have that connection for a good period of time. Additionally, networking opportunities, uh, conferences and conventions where you would have the opportunity to meet these people in person, were much smaller. They were easily, you know, more easy to navigate. So you would really be able to forge, you know, deep connections that way. Okay. So now uh, the flip side of that is um, there isn't as much print, but there's like a hundred times as much digital. How do you even keep track of that? Like there's a what, 15,000 podcasts being launched every week. Like how are you supposed to even manage to find, like it's just (laughs) mind blowing how much there is to keep up on. And a lot of these people don't really make their information readily available. Like if you wanna stay under the radar, even though you have a public platform, you most certainly can. Um, so that's a little bit tricky. Um, that being said, I'm not sitting on the floor sticking cassettes in a folder. I'm just typing away on my computer and then hitting send, which is glorious. Like, I love it. Um, And I will say, because I'm a natural introvert that for the longest time, I was like, this is cool. I don't have to talk to people anymore. Oh, no, (laughs) (laughs) no, damn. (laughs) I don't have, I'm not hearing voices. You know, like it it took a little while for my phone to stop ringing because literally everything is done online. Um, It wasn't until you know, lockdown last year where I was like, you know what, this freaking sucks. Like I need to hear a human. I'm starting to go a little bit wonky. And I think a lot of people started to feel that way because now my phone rings. So we're kind of like trying to find that balance between convenience and ease. And then actually like having a relationship with someone on the phone or zoom or whatever. So, um, so I've never really been able to answer your question super confidently because there's, it's, it's really still about 50-50 for me.
0: What do you think, Like, you know, can you imagine people who are just getting into this business like now? What are, you, what are some things that maybe some tips that they could learn from someone who's very seasoned and has seen both sides of the equation, the, before and during this time?
1: Um, one thing I think in general, I mean, it's not even really just specifically about this job. Uh, the other thing that is really hit home for me during this pandemic is that, uh, this country in particular has a really, really unwell relationship with work. Um, I mean, it's,
0: Oh, explain that. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, like I understand hustle culture, but, um, you know, we're working sometimes six, seven days a week. People work 15, sometimes 20 hours a week. Um, You're expected to be available all the time for everybody. Uh, People don't take vacations with any kind of normalcy. You work five days a week, and then you're expected to Decompress. Get your errands done. Try to do something enjoyable, and then get yourself prepped for Monday. All within just two days. Um, you know, I um, the other thing that's just like it's just sticking in my craw because I was looking at a I was looking at a job board. A friend of mine uh, wanted to see if I thought she might be a good fit for this position, and uh, it had three pages of what the company wanted out of someone, and then two lines about what that person was gonna get in return. Uh, Competitive salary, competitive benefits. What does that even mean? But you got real specific about what you want from me. How much are you gonna pay me? Why isn't that laid out? You know exactly what you're attributing to this position. Put it out there. Right. So, I, I mean, I just think in general, like, the, the, the work culture is really sick in this country and it's literally making people sick. So, knowing what this position could turn into if you don't have healthy boundaries, um, you know, my first suggestion would be get healthy boundaries 100%. You're, I mean, you can be friendly, but this job does not require you <clears throat> to be someone's mom, friend, shrink dry clean pick up, picker-upper, you know, like none of that. So, you know, get real straight with yourself about what you are willing to put into this because the job is always gonna require at some point working late hours to meet a deadline, working on weekends if you have to go to a conference, um, but don't find other ways to make that regular because you will like burn out super quick. Um, The other thing is that uh, the the younger people I see sometimes really don't come into the industry with education in the industry. And I'm not necessarily always convinced that you need to have a college degree for everything. If you're going to work on my teeth. Or implant something into my body, I would like to see your degree for sure. Um, because public relations is this very relationship based function, you know, there's kind of innate people skills you have to have that I'm convinced you're not gonna learn necessarily in school. Mm. Um, but I'm seeing people who can't even like put sentences. Together correctly, and it is a communications function, so it's a little bit weird. It's that's kind of weird to me. So I I think you have to really understand the job and be super tight on basic skill sets, which means you have to know how to communicate in the language that you're going to be communicating in. Um, You know, you like that's where you have to be like super type A about it. Is you know spell check. Everything. Yeah. You know, what's interesting
0: too, I've noticed because I have uh, had relationships with so many PR people, primarily because of my podcast. And there's uh, <laughs> a huge difference. in professionalism, punctuality. I think that's kind of my biggest thing is like, why I really like connecting with you, Deb, is like, if I send you something about, or you send me, it's like very prompt. But it's not like overly prompt either. It's like just right. And getting back to people, I think I'm is just a waiting real big at the issue. computer
1: for an email from you. you I are, do nothing I, until I get your email. I
0: knew it. I actually knew that. I, mm-hmm. I, I get it. <laughs> but, but getting back to people to me is a weird situation because there's so many people who are really bad at that, actually. They don't, they're in the PR industry and they need <laughs> to ask you. I want my person to be on your show. Okay, blah, blah, blah. And then they don't get back to you for like a week, two weeks. I'm like, this is not good, you know?
1: Well, I mean, here's the other thing there. And and I think I kind of alluded to this before is that there is a pretty solid group of people who say they're PR people and basically someone they knew you know, wanted to be on some podcast, So this person said, oh, I'll be your publicist. And then like, that's how it started. So it's kind of like self-identifying as I a see. publicist. Um, which, you know, there, there is, I mean, there is a trend where, you know, kind of loosening up how the work gets done. It used to be um, the tool of our trade was a press release. You didn't do anything. Without a press release, it's sort of like a scalpel or whatever. Um, A lot of a lot of publicists um, do not even know what a press release is. They basically just send an email. You know, I I represent this so and so. Do you want them on your show? They may not even know what your show is. You know, they may (laughs) not have ever even listened to an episode of it. But you're you're someone who's available. So (laughs) sent you the email. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of skills that go along with it, you know, communicating properly, being timely, you're this, this job. And part of the reason it's so stressful is because it runs on clocks and calendars and you're sitting in the middle between your client and then all of the media that your client wants to have a relationship with they've got their own clocks and calendars, your client has their own clocks and calendars, you've got your own clocks and calendars, and you've got to make them all work. So uh, you've You've got to really be of service to everyone that's in the process. You, you cannot treat your, your media contacts like they're just a means to an end, like you have to treat them like they're part of the, the, the team that's going to help elevate your, your client. And that requires a lot of respect and understanding for what they do.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would, um, I would imagine. So, and just in my connections with people, it's, it's very easy to see kind of who stands out at least. And, and I lived in Las Vegas for a long time. I knew so many PR people there. And it's just, it's just, for me, it was very easy to figure out. I was like, oh, this person's on time. They get back to you. They're very kind. Their communication skills, just top-notch. And I always found that that was a big thing. How well does the person communicate the other person about that? And uh, again, I, this, is a, this is a love fest here, okay? Deb's amazing. By the way, <laughs> when you see this, but Deb did not want to be on camera we we co cool work we got it together, but I was actually shocked when I got on here and saw how she looked. By the way, you look amazing.
1: You thank you, but how did you so picture young. me? Oh, want, I'll take that any truth? day of the week. You want the truth? You
0: want honest truth? Let me give you. I thought you were going to be much older looking. I did. Okay. Well, Wamba, well, I mean, you've been in the business a long time, and mm-hmm. I'm thinking, okay, how old is this lady? You know, I don't know, like. And then when you came on, I'm like, "Okay, I have to keep this together. Like, this is a very, <laughs> very young looking person who's been doing this a long time. Like very shocking actually.
1: Oh, all right. Well, I mean, I this have- a compliment super, Deb. <laughs> thank you, I'm grateful. I have super good genetics. I'm really-
0: No, amazing genetics. I mean- Yeah.
1: I mean, not that I, do, I don't do my best to take care of myself, but at the core, there, there's a, there's a lot of genetic boost that I got. This is so I'm, shocking. I'm, I'm not joking. This
0: is, <laughs> I was like, I was like, when am I going to bring this up during this conversation? <laughs> like, I got to let this ride for a little bit. And I was like, no, it's time. It's time to talk about Deb's youthfulness.
1: <laughs> Here, the other thing that's hilarious is um, I'm only five feet tall. Ah, so oh,
0: wow. if
1: you, if you see me from the back, you think like I'm a grade schooler, <laughs> And I've had parents, like, come up to me from the back thinking like I was a student or a friend of their kids or something like that. And then I turn around with my, you know, 50-something-year-old face and they're like, yeah. oops, sorry. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a weird package.
0: This is not a 50-something-year-old face. This is an extremely young-looking woman's face. I'm okay, telling you. you. Okay. You come on my show, you get compliments. <laughs> That's how it's no, worth it. Is I, re-
1: I mean... <laughs> I'm also single, so I will take all of that.
0: Deb's single, she looks amazing.
1: I'm gonna edit this clip, I'm gonna use it. I don't know, you know, maybe I'll put it on my Facebook page, like I'll pin it somewhere.
0: I mean, it's true though. It's
1: like an endorsement. It's like you've endorsed me, It's (laughs) an endorsement.
0: You know, I talk to Jan all the time as I train her and she never mentioned anything about this. (laughs) About what? How young you look, this is mind blowing. Oh. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, it's been a lot of fun stories and stuff, but I'm like, wow, it's like, you know, cause the thing is, that's kind of why I want to start doing this too. I didn't, you know, I haven't been doing video. I just started doing right, it. Right. And then I start doing, you never know what you're going to see. Like most people see my picture that I have. When I mm-hmm. get on, it doesn't look like me from the picture. Cause it's right, like, you right, know, the yeah. hair and the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm on. Build the drama here. I'm on, and I there's just emptiness. Deb's talking, and all of a sudden the picture pops up, and I'm like, "Whoa, <laughs> wow!" Well, what thank a you. Amazing, amazing, Excellent. amazing. Voice. Yeah, you cut. You cut this out, like you said. You mm-hmm. know, I'm totally gonna
1: edit this. Yeah,
0: edit it out. Just listen. It's just, it's. You're welcome.
1: Getting <laughs> into everything. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So when I I get back on the dating sites, I'm just going to like have people call you then. Hey,
0: yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you you all about it. Yeah. You, you don't you don't have to worry about putting what your age is because it really doesn't matter. I think for you.
1: Well, I mean, the other thing is you got to be a little bit careful about the 20 year olds that come in. Like, that's not Uh, my thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know, they're in a different space in their life. They're not you know, come on, it's
1: very different space in I mean, life. What does at... a 20
0: year old have to do with a 50 or plus year old?
1: <laughs> well, you know, there is a strange group of 20 year olds who's 20 year olds who really think that it's, I don't know, not like a rite of passage, but like, I will get emails from very young men saying, I've always wanted to, di- I've always wanted to do di- It's like, I'm not your, I'm, that's a movie. You that's know, let movie. me. I'll send you some movie recommendations to see what that's all about. Normally, doesn't end well. So you know, no,
0: no. you are in LA a, though. I guess. You know?
1: <laughs> like, oh well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it normally goes the other way. You know, the sixty-year-old mm, yeah. dude and the twenty-year-old chick. But yeah, um, yeah. Look, for some people, things like you know, like the other thing is, I ha- things work out for people in different ways. I'm speaking yeah. solely for myself. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm pretty set in what interests me and what I need in my life and where I see this, <laughs> this sounds so morbid, but like this last chunk of my existence.
0: That was very you know? grim right now. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, I th- Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I was thinking about how to phrase that, but I mean, you know, realistically, yeah, sure. Um, you know, unless somebody comes up with some like genius, you know, way to make people live really, really long and you actually want to do that. You know, these are my, these are my glory years when, you know, I can, I know exactly what I want to be doing in the next 10 years. I, I, you know, like, there's such an advantage to like existing for a while, you know, I mean, if you're really uh, present in your life, every year builds on another year and you just become, you know, stronger, more self-aware, more socially aware, and it can make every next year much easier to look forward to. Yeah. And, you know, have your, have some realistic goals.
0: With the, uh, I don't know why I just thought about this, but, This is how this goes. Would the 20 something year old Deb be surprised by meeting the 50 plus year old Deb?
1: Generally not, uh, which is a strange thing to say. Um, I really honestly believed that I would have gotten married and had a family. That was not something that was off the table for me like that was definitely something that I wanted to do so I think that would be the one surprise but I wrote an (laughs) an autobiography when I was in like eighth grade or seventh grade or something like that and then in high school we had to write letters to our future selves uh I don't remember when that was maybe it was senior year or something but there's completely a through line like there's I saw it, like I knew what it was gonna be like. Um, so I think from just like a, a general path standpoint, there would be no surprise. I think the, um, the, the richness of what this path has, uh, has been, has offered me might be, you know, because there have been a lot of really, really dramatic shifts in the world since I was a kid. So I think, you know, that would be a little bit, some of the things that have like per- personally changed me might be a little bit shocking. But generally speaking, I feel like, I feel like we would almost kind of get along a little bit too, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah interesting i mean how I don't about know, people, you? I, oh yeah um yes we would be surprised pretty shocked i think i think because i was really Are you like, willing
1: to share why
0: i'm always i'll share anything that's this okay, whole sorry. that's the show it's all about say what you're saying whatever okay I, I think that um i was really shy in my early 20s and uh i was just trying to figure out myself and like i think i was always been like a pretty um, mature, very responsible person. I was like one of those very responsible 16 year olds. It was like, okay. I like that seemed much older than their age. (laughs) I remember my mom was like, don't worry about it. That's going to be like a huge plus when you get older, it just will. It's going to be very desirable for a lot of people that you have yourself together. Like you're not crazy. (laughs) She was right about that (laughs) big time, you know, you know, But I think I was liked uh, working for other people. I enjoyed that tremendously actually. And uh, my 20 year old self would be shocked that I own two businesses and work for myself. They'd be like, you don't do that. Like, that's not your thing. You're not like creative, you know, you're not like trying to like, you know, do that. And so now it's like my life. I do all this stuff for myself. I don't work for anybody and I do all these creative projects, you know.
1: When was the shift? For you that you went from working for someone else and branching out on your own like how old were you
0: uh i mean full time that like three years ago so not that i'm forty two now so it hasn't been that long uh, since that happened so
1: did i mean did did something happen where you were like were you no was it a, a... <laughs> Thoughtful decision where you're like, you know what, I'm. This is more me.
0: I or- think it was just, uh, I don't know. It just kind of a feeling started coming over me, and I always tell people, I give people this advice when they're like thinking of uh, leaving a job or they want to start something, and it. Be- I said, you know, it's like this tapping. It's it's tapping, real tiny, and it's this drum is gonna get louder. You're not gonna stop it, and if you deny it, you're really denying who you're trying to become. You're just trying to push it down. And I think for me, it's like, I was in working for a company for 13 years where, I mean, in my business fitness, it was the top of the food chain. I mean, I was the, I was a big fitness executive. I was running a super wealthy high-end gym. I mean, I had anything you could ask for. It was all at the tip of my fingers and I left it right at the top. I'd left, I had no reason to leave, zero reason to leave. Anybody else be like, you're kind of crazy for doing this. you know? (laughs) But it just felt like it was over. I felt like the time was done and I wanted Mm -hmm. to honor that. And then the next phase of my life, I thought, "I'd, I'd just like to be able to honestly do whatever I want. This sounds strange, but I wanted to time to like, just watch TV and hang out and like, you know, do just take walks and not be like, well, I have to be here this amount of time per day. That's, that's very unhealthy. I feel like jobs that require you to be at a certain amount of time at work. You know, a lot of times, I'm telling you people listen to this, you know this is true. There's times when you're at work and hours go by and really you don't need to be there. Like nothing's happening, but because you have to be there to hit some mythical quota of time that never equals production in my opinion you know, I'm like, I could just go home for three hours right now and nobody, you know, nobody here, you know, but you have to be there type of thing. And I got tired of that too. I was like, how about I just be productive and get it done and then go watch, binge watch a show or something. I, you know, like literally that's what I do. I train yeah. clients, do the podcast, you know, do my other consulting work. And I'm like, I think I'll watch five episodes of a show right now. I mean, like, it's like 2 PM, you know,
1: like, do you, do you do, do, are you now comfortable doing that and you don't no. have the guilts and the like the weirds kind of?
0: I never had guilt about it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> even better. No. Even better.
0: As soon as Great. I turned it over, I was like, we're done. We're done with that life. And it's like, so wow. I'm too, now I'm just too used to it. And I think this is, and the cool thing is my brother and I, my brother's an artist actually as he does it full time, whole thing. We started, he went full time as a musician the same time that I went full time as an entrepreneur. So it was really cool to watch us both go from previous things to experiencing this kind of uh, weird hard work and leisurely lifestyle at the same time. You know?
1: Well, I mean, you know, just to, to call back our earlier conversation about how work unwell. I think so many of us are. The fact that you're able to do something in the middle of the day that isn't work and feel perfectly comfortable doing that is incredible. I mean, it's incredible. Um, who's the guy that, um, I think he wrote, I think it's a book also, The 4-Hour Work.
0: Oh, I, I I know what you're talking about. Day, Work I Week.
1: Know. Yeah. Either way, 4-Hour Work Day, 4-Hour Work Week that is such a foreign concept to nearly everybody. <laughs> it's true. Like it's almost impossible to even understand how that is, how you can even do that. Um, and do that without feeling yeah. like really super guilty about it. Right. And I'm not sure that four hours is gonna be the <laughs> achievable number for people, <laughs> but you are absolutely correct that um, like where, where does it come from that you need to be sitting in your chair in front of this screen for eight, nine, 10 hours a day or, or whatever the structure of your you know work situation is um, without the ability to just even have a, a rejuvenating, yeah. refreshing moment in the middle of it. I mean, it is really robot thinking. And yeah like that idea in and of itself has been like, just stuck in my brain since the pandemic because I think um, I think people are really, uh, you know, re- reassessing what their work days look like, how they can actually structure it. I mean, imagine being in your home and you can go to the freaking bathroom whenever you <laughs> want to without a supervisor seeing <laughs> you or whatever. I mean, it, it can be really liberating, but also. You know kind of a neat challenge to, yeah. Um, you know, super focus your time so that you can do these other things in between or after. There's also no reason why, um, you can't check out it too. But then if you're like inspired at seven or eight o'clock at night, go do that,
0: yeah. Yeah, I yeah, bought a basketball I, hoop actually, so I could shoot hoops between sessions and stuff. And between podcasts, because it's just like meditative for me. And I, you know, get a little activity and uh, I would just like come up with all these things that I can do between work, because I always thought when I was working for a large corporation, I'm like, I wish I could have done this before, just of like, hey, and I was always running gyms and stuff like, oh, why don't I like do a tennis lesson or, you know, shoot some hoops or whatever. It was kind of like I felt guilty then doing that because the expectation mm-hmm. was like, no, you must be here and you must work 50 hours a week. And I was like, this makes no sense to me, like at all. Like, it's just dinosaur thinking about it. You know, it's like, why do we have to keep doing the same thing all the time? Like, why can't we like veer a different path? And I like, I agree with you. I think a lot of people, because they've been at home, they're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Do I really want to go back to this? (laughs) What (laughs) I have before?
1: Yeah, and and I I did read an article a couple weeks ago where a lot of companies are noticing that their employees are being more productive and happier um, when they're working from home. I mean, for some people, it's great that they'll have you know, more access to their children or their spouses or whatever. you know, they're physically more comfortable. You're not stuck with the chair and the desk and the air and whatever that somebody else is requiring you to, to have. Um, I mean, I, I've worked from home for 20 something years. I In the nineties, I had um, either clients or office jobs where, you know, I was in that position. That is one thing that I definitely do not miss at all. I think, you know, a lot of people like, Oh, don't you just miss the camaraderie or whatever? And it's like, that's happy hour.
0: <laughs> it's right.
1: That's what happy hour. That's is exactly for.
0: right. Yeah. Totally right. Yeah. I get people ask me that too, to like, cause I had all these employees and stuff. And like, I said, well, I do miss it, but honestly, it's really nice just to be at home and then go for a drive or something and, and not worry because I work when I want to work. Mm -hmm. and but I also know myself I'm very organized I have a lot of responsibility and I for some people that could be a trap you know they're like I want to work at home and then they're like I don't know how to have my life
1: (laughs) you know yeah no you're right there's there it takes it does it does take self-awareness and discipline yeah for sure um and if you don't have a supervisor behind you or you know down the hall or whatever that it could be a little bit tricky um but also, you know, explore that part of yourself. Like, learn some self-discipline. I mean, that's not a, a that's not a terrible thing, you know. No. And uh, the benefit of that could be something that you couldn't even imagine. I mean, it's really hard. I think for you know the traditional, and I'm only talking about American workers because I know that there's a vast variety of ways people in different countries um, are in the employment system, some ho- horrifically and, you know, um, but I think, you know, the, the, the ability to um, have that self-discipline and then you can see that free time in front of you. Like that, to me, like that first hour that you realize, oh my God, normally, I'd still be stuck in that office, that four or 5 p.m. like void hour where you're like, <laughs> I'm almost home. I can't start anything because I won't be able to finish it. So what am I gonna do? I'm just yeah. gonna like dick around for an hour. Okay, yeah. you're doing that at home. Yeah. Go binge something. WandaVision yeah. was great. Go get into yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Watch, like, three episodes. Three episodes in an hour, go get it.
0: Cause you know what people are doing at work and you know, you're doing it at work. You're playing video (laughs) games, you're scrolling through social media and during company time, you know, the whole thing, it's like, you know, listen, you're not going to be, some people are busy the whole time. It depends on what their job is, but I don't know. I I've seen enough where I know a lot of people are doing nothing. If you can come into my office and talk to me for two hours, you have plenty of time to be doing, this, you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> and also if you have a job where you are legitimately like swamped and busy for eight hours straight, I do hope you're getting paid appropriately. Yes. You know, because, you know, just thinking of the, the minimum wage workers in this country and the way they've been saving our asses, especially for yeah. the past year. Um, and they can't even get a bump in their salary. And right. out here we've got, grocery stores closing because that extra $5 an hour is going to like really stress that trillionaire company uh, owner. Oh, it's an, it's like, it's in, it's infuriating. That is infuriating. Such a sick relationship with work in this country. Uh, I mean, not that it shouldn't be respectable. Like that's not, I'm not at all saying that like work is ridiculous and, you know, we should just all be doing what, like, that's not what I'm saying, but I, I think, you know, well, well the, the patriarchy um, <laughs> has really cre- created an environment where it's been increasingly easy to get increasingly sick, broke, and miserable because of work. And right. that's absurd to me.
0: Well, hasn't it also been like, I don't know what you're thinking about this, but I remember a specific time, maybe it was the early 2000s, late 90s, where like there was all these articles about like these CEOs who work, you know, 90 hours a week, they barely sleep. And we were like putting these folks on a pedestal of like, that's how you become successful. You just work all the time, you barely sleep. And I remember I was thinking, especially being in the fitness industry, this is all wrong. Like this is, how could you not sleep? This is so bad for you to not and then to push that, like, yeah, I, I'll sleep when I'm dead. I'm like, what a stupid statement to say. Like, that's so stupid. <laughs> Why would you say that? And then you're you have a you have a platform, you're influencing a lot of people to be like, yeah, so and so doesn't sleep. I, I don't need to sleep either. You know, like that's so stupid.
1: Yeah. I I I don't want to read another article about what five books Elon Musk recommends because (laughs) good for him that he's got time to read five books, you know, (laughs) awesome. Um, You know, I want to, I want to hear from people who didn't have um, family money. I want to hear from people who have a healthy view of Work life balance and how they're allowing their employees to have that healthy view. Also, I don't want to hear from these old white guys who (laughs) reflect, you know, 1950s corporate ideals. I I just don't, I don't, no, I don't, that wasn't good for anybody but them.
0: It wasn't good. The honest reality, it wasn't good. And
1: we got to, I mean,
0: We got to move on. Uh,
1: Alcoholism, like all of, all of these things. I mean, well, and that, you know, that dates back to the the turn of the century when, you know, factories were just so unbelievably oppressive and you'd get out of, you know, that horrible work for two cents a day and you'd go get wasted and go home and beat your wife. And then it starts all over again. And I mean, you know, that was, that was what was going on then. Um, You know, we have new versions of that, Now it's just a really, you know, it, it just, it would be so not everybody is always going to love what they do for a living. You know, they're just not. And what you want to do and can do and love to do will, will might change throughout your life. Um, but you shouldn't have to get sick and bankrupt and divorced and whatever to have a job, you know, like it just doesn't.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, these are great. I mean, this is awesome. I mean, this is like I didn't see this conversation coming, which is why I never script anything. <laughs> like, all the guests, there's no questions ahead of time, ever. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> like this is the reality. You know, you start getting loose, start talking, start connecting. And uh I've had a lot of fun. I've had Me a lot too. of fun, right? This is bad, this is good, right? <laughs>
1: You know, I I heard the hype every time a client got off the, got off the call with you. It was like, he's freaking amazing. I love him. And I'm like, well, yes.
0: Yes, this is
1: the kind of, um, and you've even been generous enough to give some of my clients their very first, you know, podcast radio type, you know, broadcast Mm -hmm. experience. Um, You know, and that's, that's a really... That's a really scary thing for people and not everybody will um, allow themselves to be someone's first opportunity. So um, you are, you know, infinitely generous um, with your time and opportunities and certainly with where you allow conversations to go.
0: Yeah, thank you so much. I just, I enjoy it. I have a good time generally. I get to laugh every day. Yeah, you know, generally it's pretty good. I've not had any I don't think I've had anything that like really threw me off where I was like I never want to do this again. <laughs> like I never had that. I've had some interesting strange people, but I like strange people. So I'm like, oh man, like I want more of that. You mm-hmm. know, so uh it's generally been pretty amazing and um I think also I try to be someone like especially in the podcast world that projects consistency and warmth and kindness. Because one of the things I didn't like is like, because sometimes I go on shows and I'm like, well, when is this episode coming out? And you know, a lot of people, months sometimes go by. Oh,
1: I know. That's crazy, <laughs> know.
0: that's the craziest thing to me, I think. So I want to respect you and your clients and everybody, it's coming out next week. It will be out next week and it always does. Like Clockwork comes out I got a good system. So I want to respect people's time and their effort and make sure to put out a good product too for that, for them. So something that will last, that, that audio will last. Right. So, well, I'll,
1: I'll tell you this. Um, you know, I've been dealing with media people, um, for my entire career. So say that's thousands, maybe, maybe tens of thousands. I mean, you wow. know, for some campaigns, you you know, it's like, it's pretty big. Um, it, is re- it is a very special skill to be committed to and then also able to bring out the best in another human being. Um, we're not really taught to seek the best in things. Um, I think that's a real challenge for a lot of very legitimate reasons. Um, But to kind of attune to someone's inherent creativity and goodness and um, uniqueness is, is something really special. And the reason I'm always so excited to bring somebody to you is because I know that they're gonna be in these great hands and you are gonna bring out the absolute best in whoever you talk to. And I listen to all your podcasts and you do it every single time. Thank you. Every single podcast I listen to, I'm like, that is an exceptional human being.
0: Oh wow. Wow. That this is my really... love best here today. <laughs> I
1: mean, look, even if we didn't have the history and for some weird reason mm. you were like, Hey, I gotta get that publicist in LA, Deborah, what's her name on yeah. this podcast? Even if we had no history. Um I would still definitely share this with you because, um, awesome. you know, again, the podcast world is getting very large. Yes. Um, and you need to be able to like filter out some of the stuff that isn't really going to, um, you know, have a point or you know, yeah. really deliver um, something to the listener and you do it. Every damn thank time. you,
0: thank you. I I I do my best, and I I realize the same thing you do because in the sense that, I know, as you said, those fifteen thousand podcasts that get created and all that. Most of that, I I don't want to be negative. I I I want to be, but the reality is, that most of that will not last. They won't last. You know, there's a thing in the industry of pod fading. You know, most of these podcasts last less than seven episodes.
1: Yeah.
0: And so, as a PR person, it's like, man, am I sending my my people to someone who's like gonna be in it and then out of it real quickly? Is it gonna take them months to get this out? And if the conversation they had, will it still be relevant a month from now? From what right, maybe they right. were talking about something related to a specific event, and mm-hmm. then that, you know, a month later, what's the news cycle is so quick? What's the point? You yeah. know, it's like. So, I think you have to be very punctual, have to be, get this stuff out very quickly that have a big quality. So, I'm committed to that. And um, I was looking forward to this, really. I was telling Jan, I was training yesterday. I said, Oh, man, Deb's coming up. She's just like, I got to listen to that episode. I was like, You can watch it too now.
1: <laughs> it's like the tables are turned, you know? Like she, and she's, you know, she loves that part of oh my her gosh. work, you know? I mean, she's. Uh. Really one of the most social creatures that I've ever met. Oh my God. Which has made our relationship hilarious because I am the (laughs) polar opposite of her. Did she tell you the story of my going away party? No. Like this is the, so uh, when I was moving from Chicago to LA, I had a going away party and uh, had her, I asked if she would perform because I love her. Um, And she, called me and a couple of my friends to the stage and I was ready to boogie, but I don't sing. Oh my God, like my big, I've never done karaoke in my life. It is really my biggest, second biggest fear. She puts that damn microphone in my face. I'm like this is my going away party and I'm gonna wind up punching out my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Cannot even, what is she doing? Like, it's just, it was just like our opposites were completely colliding in that moment because it's so natural for her to just like she gives everything you know she gives everything and I am like a little shrunken <laughs> <laughs> that's what I love about her is like uh, sometimes she will she will push me to uh try do
0: yeah whatever you know it's good been a really you know, you go. you know, good people, you know, amazing people. I mean, they're all been really, really wonderful people that I keep up with. I mean, Jan's the most, I mean, Jan, I didn't even know her for like a week or so. She sent me bread in the mail. I mean, she's like, she's just, you know, so generous. She's like, Oh, and she sends me articles, Jan, you listen to this. She sends me articles on text like tons every week. What about this? The spaceships, the Martians. <laughs> so it's like, there's a hurricane in space, you know? <laughs> like,
1: she, she loves, she just loves to, uh, she loves connect. She is like yes. the connector and it does not matter what the topic is. She will find something to try to engage someone. And, and, you know, and, and Craig. Um, Craig's
0: great.
1: Wow. Those two. I mean, they've been in my life a really, really long time. And, you know, I don't have, I don't have friendship, like real friendships that have stood the test of time. I mean, I don't know that that's even necessarily natural to have relationships your entire, I think that takes a shit ton of work. Most um, definitely. But those two, um you know, we, we, met, we met through their music, um, but the opportunity I've had over the decades to learn so much more about them has been, wow, what a blessing. Yeah, they're great yeah. people. And the fact that um, now you guys are friends too. Oh yeah. Like that totally makes sense to me.
0: I'm gonna visit her. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, we're gonna go to Chicago. We're gonna party. We're gonna hang out. It's gonna be amazing.
1: Have you been to Chicago before?
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you have?
1: hmm Okay.
0: Yeah, several times. Yeah, but she's on because, you know, all of my clients are all live virtual with my training business. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so before the pandemic, I actually would fly to see all of my clients two to three times a year in person, wherever they were in the United States, just to spend time, do a happy hour with them, have dinner and stuff, just the connection. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I only know Jan based off of the pandemic. I don't know her outside of this time. So I was like, it's time to get rowdy when this is over. I'm coming to your Oh, time. See,
1: you've put that out into the universe <laughs> oh, now. Yeah.
0: I said, I want to go to the Christmas party too. That, yeah, that's yeah, I want to go. Yeah, I'm the good time okay. guy. I like to have a good time.
1: <laughs> oh my God, okay, so all right.
0: LA well. too, I, I've been to LA tons of times. <laughs> I'll be back.
1: It's on the table. I mean, you know,
0: I have a lot of clients in LA area, so I'll be there soon. You know, I I I
1: feel like, I feel like that opportunity will be sooner than later. Now the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, we can do this.
0: Deb, we're going to hang out. Okay. We can do this. It's going to happen.
1: We're going to make it happen.
0: No, it's definitely going to happen. I'll be there. I used to destroy like the Staples Center area. I'd be walking all up and down that area, go to bars and stuff. (laughs) Like Love it. Faith and Flower. I used to go there all the time.
1: (laughs) (gasps) (laughs) Oh. I love, I love that place. Isn't
0: that a great place?
1: It's oh I remember when um I can't remember which Star Wars movie it was. They had a chocolate platter of you know, white milk, dark chocolate, all, all different kinds of chocolates, made up in like Star Wars characters and ships, um, and that there was a lightsaber. I was like, "This is this place is glorious! Yes. Like, I, this is this is it. Any place that serves Star Wars chocolate, <laughs> marry me."
0: Yeah, okay. it's a great place. I go there anytime I'm down there. Oh, it's just like my spot. You know, I so. hope
1: I hope they. I hope they are open again. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're true. just starting to like LA. Just kind of decided that um, the pandemic's over. I, guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> we were like one of the worst cities in the entire yeah. country, but I guess yeah. we figured it out. Um, so it's they're just it's over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, I, that's that's a place I really hope is able to, uh, you know, restructure itself and, and yeah. have a vibrant. You know, I hope rebirth.
0: so. If it does, I hope it does. We're going there. We're, We're there. We're gonna go absolutely. Yeah, I'm all about it's,
1: it. I mean, this is gonna be public record, so I'm not worried. You
0: about know, it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, listen, I've had like what going on almost 300 hours of public record. <laughs> podcast. So, so whatever, far so good. whatever I've said, I've talked so much. I have no clue what I've said in the past. So it just, all it, right, is, well, it is what it is. You know, it's just whatever. I mean,
1: 300 hours and it hasn't come to bite you in the ass yet. So you're doing all right. Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> a little nibble,
0: a little nibble. Well, okay. Dad, thank you so much for your time. This has been amazing. I
1: enjoyed this so much, Darian. Thank you. You got it. I will be in touch with you. All right. Take good care. Any workout, any mood, any time. That's what the Peloton Tread is all about. From interval runs that motivate you to go the extra mile, power walks that work up a sweat, rolling hill hikes for you to enjoy, and full body boot camps to hit your goals. Plus, thousands of workouts that go beyond the tread. Strength programs, core classes, yoga, Pilates, and even boxing. Everything you need on and off the Peloton tread. Experience it all for yourself with a 30 day home trial. Learn more at onepeloton.com. Sure, we have 30 seconds to tell you that drivers who switched to progressive could save big. But then what? Well, radio has been called theater of the mind. So let's tell a story with sound effects. <laughs>